Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman with House of David Ministries. And with me, as always, is my great friend, Jed Robine, Pilgrim Way Ministries. We have another exciting couple of episodes for you tonight. Jed, let me turn it over to you to introduce our topics. Thanks, Eric. It's always great to be with you talking about what's going on, scriptures, in the story of the gospel of the kingdom, or in current events. And we want to dive into some current events tonight. Since last we were in this recording booth, there is a war in Ukraine where Russia has invaded Ukraine. There's millions of people that are refugees now, thousands of people that have lost their lives. Um, And we want to just spend some time talking about these dynamics, really bringing people back to Scripture. And so this is a two-part episode. The first part we want to talk about, Matthew 24, Luke 21, 2 Timothy 1 through 5, just talk about the end times. Are we in the end times? And if we are, how are we supposed to live? What What does... does Jesus say in these chapters that, that we can give people some practical things that they could do as disciples and be rooted in the truth of God's word as the storm around us rages? The second part, we want to look specifically at what's happening uh, related to the prophetic restoration of Israel and how a war like what's happening in Russia and Ukraine is influencing some dynamics and trends. We kind of want to look beyond the news headlines and look at the prophetic storylines that uh, are echoing from ages past, from thousands of years through the mouths of God's prophets to tell us what's happening and really focus in, zero in on what God is doing, not what man is saying, Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. And so we're going to hit both of those in this two-part episode. And and maybe there'll be more episodes where we dive in on it later, but we at least wanted to pause and take stock of what's happening around us right now as things are unfolding in in Europe at the moment. Yeah. Well, it's extremely sad and heartbreaking to watch the images on television of the buildings that have been bombed, people that have lost their lives, the refugees that have had to flee, women and children, a few belongings that they're able to, to grab. I mean, even I've asked the Lord a lot of questions about about this and how to pray and to understand exactly what's going on politically in Russia and Ukraine, and also more importantly, I think, to understand spiritually. Well, before we dive into some of those dynamics specific to Ukraine and Russia, I just want to list for our listeners out there just the different signs that are going to be on the earth that Jesus says in both Matthew 24 and Luke 21, are they're parallel passages. But I want to just list kind of this laundry list of things that, that the Messiah says are going to be present at the end of the age, just so we can reorient ourselves to what's going on from a biblical context. Yeshua says there's going to be false messiahs. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. There's going to be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. Persecution of believers and disciples. There'll be betrayal of believers Uh, in Christ by other believers and people in their families. There'll be false prophets. There'll be great deception on the earth. At one point, he says, if possible, even the elect would be deceived. 
There'll be rampant sin everywhere, lawlessness. The love of many is going to grow cold. Uh, there'll be great signs in the heavens. There'll be roaring seas. And it says in the word in Luke, it talks about how men will be perplexed by the roaring seas and the strange tides in the oceans. Terror on the earth as people behold what's beginning to come. The powers in heaven will be shaken. And so some of these things are, we can look around right now and realize they're on the earth in great measure. In some respect, greater intensity, greater volume than in any other point in history. We know for a fact, you know, just looking at wars and rumors of wars, as we're, you know, kind of zeroing the microscope from here to look at Ukraine, in the last 100 years, starting with World War I, there's been more death from warfare and combat than all other centuries combined in the last century. So we are seeing, you know, World War I, World War II, these greater wars that are starting to manifest. And are we, I know that the question that some people are looking at as believers is, are we looking at World War III or the beginnings of World War III? And, and how should we orient our hearts in the midst of this? And I would just close this portion of our podcast episode, just talking about, you know, Jesus says, be alert, be aware of what's going on. Watch and pray is Jesus' counsel. He, said, he doesn't say, therefore, build many barns and store up a lot of money. I'm not saying he's not telling specific people to do those things, but he doesn't say it in his word. And he, he talks about being aware. He says an interesting analogy, and I'll get your take on this, Eric. In both Matthew and Luke, he says, notice the fig tree. When it starts to bud, you know summer is near. And I've heard many teachers talk about Israel as the fig tree, as a metaphor. Well, yes, I, I personally believe that the fig tree is a symbol for the nation of Israel. Uh, that's my belief, and I think many scholars hold to that as well. So, the other, but the other part to kind of affirm that is that you have to look at the audience that Jesus was talking to. He was talking to Jewish people. He wasn't talking to Gentiles. He wasn't talking to Romans that were standing around in, in Israel at that time. He was specifically talking to the Jewish people, his disciples, and he said to them, to the Jewish people, he said, I want you to be paying attention to the fig tree. In other words, you, you should understand that prophetically the fig tree is a picture of Israel. You know this. You, you've read the prophecies. You know the symbolism that I've put in there for you. So he was speaking to Jews, and therefore, when he said, I want you Jews to be looking at the fig tree. It's pretty clear to me that he's telling these Jewish people. Now he was speaking to a future generation, of course, which is us and even future generations. But he's speaking to, to Jews saying, look at your country, look at your nation and see what happens. We don't know exactly what he meant by these little green buds popping out. It, was that the birth of Israel in 1948, for example? Probably. Was that the, the messianic movement that emerged in the 1960s and 70s? Probably. So we, we don't know exactly, but the one thing we do know, and if you go back in history and you talked about World War I and World War II, there were many people when they saw what happened, especially with Hitler and invading France and Poland and, and you know, a big part of Europe was, was taken over by Nazi Germany. There were quite a few people that were like, yeah, we're in, this is the end. Except there was one really important ingredient that was missing. And of course, that was the nation of Israel. Had not yet been born. Had not yet, right, had not yet been born. And so 
it appeared to them that they were at the end of the age, so to speak. And of course, we know that many scoffers were around saying, oh, see, look, you know, Jesus didn't come then. He's, they're going to say the same thing today, but it, the difference is we have the nation of Israel. Right. And we had the Messianic movement. And yeah, even more 60s. specific, right. Jesus said in Matthew 23, at the end of the chapter, you know, to Jerusalem specifically, you won't see me again until right. you say, blessed is he That's who right. comes in the name of the Lord. So a Messianic confession of allegiance to Jesus is an essential ingredient that's going to be on the earth before his return. And of course, you're absolutely right, Eric, that hasn't occurred really in ni- for 1900 years from AD 70 till 1967. I mean, there were a hand, handful of believers, maybe 25 uh, in 47 when Israel was, was born, these pioneer mothers and fathers that were there on the ground. But that witness has only grown over the last 70 years. So interesting for sure to take note of some of those trends. But really, when Jesus is talking about the fig tree, he uses it to make a simple point. In nature, you can look at this sign and know summer's here. And so in a way, he's saying to his audience, when you see this happen, just like you know summer's around the corner, you need to realize that the kingdom of God is coming. And so don't be caught unaware. He really gets into this in Luke 21 in particular, where he talks about, you know, therefore, don't be caught up in drunkenness and carousing. You know, be watchful, pay attention, because it's kind of the parable where he talks about the master who comes back and finds his servants. Are, is he going to find his servants obeying him or are they beating the other servants and, you know, doing whatever else in the household? But we, you know, the, the call of the Holy Spirit through these passages is to be aware of what the signs are so that you don't lose the plot when these things are on the earth and you realize, okay, our redemption draws nigh. The kingdom of God is about to be born, and it's going to be like a woman giving birth. Um, and here we are now. There's, a, there's another tremor. And there's so much information out there. Where do people go to get oriented to the storylines? And, you know, we've just read in, in Matthew 24 where Jesus talks specifically about deception. He doesn't just say the news channels. He actually says there's going to be false prophets. And so there's going to be people that sound like they're speaking for God. And we have to be really careful, like, to run through everything we hear back through the word of God. And that's what my heart is. And I know your heart is. But go back to the word yourself. That's our that's our safety. That's our home base. Turn out all the other noise and read the word and get saturated in the Bible. I don't think there's anything more important than we could say on this topic than each one of us get oil for our lamp. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've got it. When you say, where do you get confirmation of truth? Right. You have to go back to the Bible. Absolutely. Now, it's more than just reading future history, for example. In other words, it's more than just reading and, uh, you know, some passage where, like Ezekiel 38, people often refer to Ezekiel 38 and they say, oh, Gog and May, of Magog and the armies of the north. And yeah, those are going to be obvious signs when they happen. When, you know, Russia and who knows what other armies of the North come with them, probably Ukraine is included in there, Turkey, who knows, right? But when those armies come, come forward at that, that point in time, then those who are on the earth at that time are going to look at prophecy and say, this is being fulfilled in, in this moment. And of course, we're sitting here today saying, well, the armies of the North have not come yet against Israel, so therefore... What we are seeing happening in Ukraine and Russia is not the war of Gog and Magog. Correct. It's pretty clear to me that we are not at that point in time yet. What you're talking about, you have people taking all kinds of peculiar positions about 
Putin and Zelensky and, you know, is, is this one the Antichrist? Is that one the Antichrist? And are they all the Antichrist? I mean, you know, you have some saying that Putin is right and Zelensky's wrong, others glorifying Ukraine. And I think when you read the Bible, you have to read more than just the future lines of history, but you have to really hear God's heart. Amen. And his heart is so abundantly clear throughout the Bible. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love and peace and compassion. He is long suffering. He's not willing that any would, would perish. He, he is also a God of, of judgment and he, he is a fair God who will judge the world in righteousness. We, we know that in holy and righteous are his judgments. But when you see somebody, and I'll say Putin in this case, Vladimir Putin, acting with such incredible brutality towards innocent people, women and children, it is virtually impossible to connect him with Jesus in, in his conduct. It's absolutely impossible to connect him in any way. Now, he may, he may believe that he's a Christian. He's, he may feel that because he's connected to the Russian Orthodox Church that he's a Christian because he goes to the church and he lights candles and he prays that he's a Christian. He may believe he's a Christian because his mother was a Christian and raised him to be a Christian. He was baptized and rebaptized. But that's not what the Bible says makes you a Christian. There's fruit and there is evidence of the fruit of, of love and, and patience and kindness and forgiveness and all of these qualities of God's nature that are now supposed to be in us. And if you don't see that fruit, well, the Bible's pretty clear. If you don't, God is love. And if you don't love, then you don't know God. I think what you're saying is so key. You know, when we think about what we're really talking about is discernment. Yes. Where do we go for information? And, and we live in an age where everyone has an opinion about everything. Yes. <laughs> and Twitter and the internet is just a buzz with any and all theories, conspiracy theories, opinions, mm-hmm. and hot takes. But the, the truth is that there's only one opinion in the room that actually matters, and that's, that's right. Christ's. And he makes it pretty simple. You know, a good tree is not going to produce evil fruit, and an evil tree is not going to produce good fruit. And so we are called, although we're not the judge, we are called to discern. Say, is, is what is coming forth good fruit or not? And to use the scripture, use God's character, um, the fruit of the spirit, at, like you just did, you know, what, with what Apostle, Paul, what Apostle John says, look, if you claim to love God but hate your brother, you're a liar. You've deceived yourself, First John 4.20. You know, we have to come back to the, the, the character of God and the foundation of the scriptures as we, if we want to have godly discernment in this hour. And so we have to be discerning from the moment you get up until the moment you turn your phone off. And what is your measure of discernment? How are, like, how are you going to process all that information that's coming into your brain? What is the tool that you use to filter? And I think you and I are saying, we've got to use the word of God to filter out the That's junk. Right. Yeah. And, and really the narratives that exist to your point, Eric, you just said it. There's, I've heard Christians that are saying, you know, God is using Russia as a, as a, a hammer of judgment against a corrupt nation called Ukraine. I've heard other believers saying, you know, this is, you know, Putin is, is the Antichrist and this is, 
you know, the beginning of it, like you said, it's Ezekiel 38. Right. And Ukraine is 70% Christian. This is a Christian country. And I'm, I'm thinking like, my gosh, is God confused? Has he not made, is he saying two different things to us? There has to be the truth as we look at situations like this. And I'm not here to say on this podcast that you and I have the truth. I'm just saying the truth exists in the Bible. Jesus is the truth. And we must go to him to understand world events and what's taking place. So that's where I was getting at earlier, where I said, you know, I've been looking into the, the political uh, history of Russia and Ukraine and the spiritual history of Russia and Ukraine. And, uh, and you know, kind of studying a little bit about Putin, the man, and, you know, what he communicated to the world that he believes or what he has presented visually that, you know, he believes. I have the sense that Putin believes that he is actually waging a holy war against Ukraine. And he's using terms like denazifying Ukraine as a way to kind of legitimize his actions. But if you, if you, lis- if you listen to what's coming out of the patriarch of Moscow, for example, and his, you know, his lectures about this war and how it's justified because Ukraine has fallen into the, the liberalism of the West and, and all of the perversity of the West and so on, that he's actually giving Putin spiritual and religious ammunition to justify this war against Ukraine as a religious war. A lot of people, and especially in the news, they look just at the politics of it. Russia wants their oil. He wants their natural gas. He wants their agriculture. He wants their cities, their ports. I mean, he looks at they have pipelines running through Ukraine to Europe. He just wants physical stuff. And I don't doubt that he does, but that's not what's driving this man. He's being driven by a religious spirit. And I shared this with you earlier, but the most dangerous person in the world is a, is a person driven by a religious spirit, especially one that is wrong because their convictions are so powerful because they are driven by something beyond their physical being. We see jihadists that, you know, come out and blow themselves up and fight to the martyrdom because of their religious spirit and their conviction. Crusades. The crusades, exactly. And the list, you know, goes on and on and on. The Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, right. We talked even about him and how he was so zealous for the law of Moses and how he persecuted and killed people in the name of God. And that's what I believe is, is driving Putin. And if you look at the history, the Christian Russian Empire that came about in the 10th century by Prince Vladimir I, interesting that they like the name Vladimir, you have Vladimir Zelensky, Vladimir Putin, Vlad, Prince Vladimir I, a lot of Vladimirs in Russia. But, that, but the heart of that nation and the mother city for that empire was Kiev the very heart of the the Russian kingdom, spiritually, religiously, politically, militarily, economically, everything about that kingdom came from Kiev. It has spiritual roots in that city that connect the whole motherland of Russia together. And Putin is trying to restore not Russia to the USSR days, although it was quite big and took in a lot of land that was not even part of the original empire, but specifically the heart of the Russian kingdom that he is after is Ukraine and Kiev. 
the very mother of the Russian Empire. Very interesting. To your point, you know, it's interesting to look back at, you know, again, a leader like Hitler, where we, he comes on the world scene and there certainly are political ramifications of all of his, you know, warmongering. But when you peel the onion a little bit, you realize he's actually has a lot of fascination with the occult. Yes. There was even a religious fervor and zeal in him. A lot of the emperors that have risen up over the years demanded to be worshipped as God. And so, although there certainly are political applications to their kingdoms and, you know, manifestations of rule, uh, borders and nations and, and people groups that get absorbed or enslaved through a lot of these empires over the years, there still is, to your point, there's this spiritual dimension to a lot of these leaders that, that come on the scene that, that are, have convinced themselves or have been convinced that they're part of a divine strategy. And we know there is a divine strategy. And there's a demonic strategy exactly. also, right? And, and it's interesting that you come in pairs. You'll see that Hitler and Himmler were kind of a pair. Hit, Hitler was really the one that had the political aspirations for Germany, the motherland. And Himmler was the, the one who was deeply into the occult and brought that spiritual aspect of, in fact, Hitler didn't even quite go along with some of the occultic stuff that Himmler was into. He went even way beyond Hitler into the occult. He was deep into it. But it's kind of like the, in Revelation, the false prophet and the Antichrist. There's the same kind of dynamic going on there where you have the religious spiritual person who's actually setting the world up to worship the Antichrist. In fact, the mark of the beast isn't actually even administered by the Antichrist. It's actually administered by the false prophet who then causes the world to worship the beast, the Antichrist. And the tool that he's using there is, well, you won't be able to eat. You won't be able to get food or sell or buy or trade or do any economic commerce but basically, you're not going to be able to provide for your family unless you take the mark of the beast. And so he's got you into this place where, worship me because I provide for you. I take care of you. And he's kind of in the place of God, where God takes care of us, so we worship him. But the Antichrist, he wants to be worshipped as God. And so he's going to put himself in a position where the world is going to be worshipping him because he's going to be feeding them. Well, as we bring this first part of the episode kind of to a, to a close here, I want to bring us back around to our equipping our listeners here with some practicals. We want to focus on prayer. You know, Jesus said all these things that we talked about in Matthew 24, Luke 21. All he, he says the words, all these things have to come to pass. Don't let your heart be troubled. And so when we see these things starting to manifest, and so we can see these statistics and these, the mounting catastrophes and the, the, the noise of human suffering is, is continuing to build. And the Lord's counsel in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 is pray. And so I think as we look at what's going on in Ukraine, we want to pray, you know, for the gospel to run swiftly in Ukraine and Russia. We want to pray for the Jewish populations that are going to be, that have been leaving Ukraine in great numbers and are leaving Russia. And we'll talk about that more in episode two. 
but we want to pray for, for the restoration of the Jewish people, salvation of the Jewish people amidst this pressure. We want to pray for the, uh, the Lord, for if, if we can have a pocket of mercy where the guns can stop. Amen. You know, we want to pray for peace. We don't have control over those things, humanly speaking, other than the spiritual influence of appealing to the court of heaven to hand down a rule. Um, and so prayer is where we want to, I think, leave people. What can we do when we see these things occurring? Don't let your heart be troubled. To a certain extent, all these things are going to come to pass. Let's orient ourselves to pray what Jesus is praying at the right hand of the Father, to pray the word of God, to lift up the churches in these areas that they would hold fast amidst great persecution, that they wouldn't deny Christ, but shine a light for the gospel of the kingdom amidst great chaos and persecution. And we want to pray for the restoration of Israel, the salvation of the Jewish people, and the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. But I'll, I'll see if you have any final words on this first part of our two-parter tonight, Eric. Yeah, definitely we need to be praying. And I think we need to be seeking the Lord in the season intimately, really going into our inner closet and spending that time with him. Because we are, that's where we're going to receive that peace and that comfort from him. I think we also need to be asking him questions about, Lord, help me understand what's going on here. Give me clarity about this situation and help me, teach me to pray and, and how to pray for the situation that's there. There is a, there is a right and there's a wrong in this, in this scenario. I mean, neither country obviously is perfect. There isn't a perfect country. Every country is corrupt to some degree, but there is a, there is evil in the world and there is a right and there is a wrong. And we need to be praying for, for mercy that the war would stop, whatever, whatever it takes. I mean, there were quite a few nations that had to rise against Hitler. And if they hadn't, you know, today we'd be living under Nazi Germany and we'd be living under incredible evil in the world and there wouldn't be any Jews left and there would be no Israel. So we, we want to be seeking the Lord for being on his, there is a right side and then there is a wrong side of the story. I will say for me personally that and, and of course, we didn't live through World War I or World War II. And so this, for us, is probably the most serious conflict that we've ever lived through in this generation since World War II. And it, it's, it's deeply troubled me. And um, I really had to spend a lot of time in prayer and seeking the Lord and asking for Him to, to give me comfort because it, it's ex extremely disturbing just to watch what's going on because you know it is pure evil that is unfolding in the world. And what, what I'll say to our, our listeners is this, that we have to get accustomed to what's coming. In other words, not that we accept it because there is wrong and there is evil, but we have to learn how to cope through it, to persevere actually is what the Bible tells us. Right. He who perseveres to the end, meaning it's not going to be easy. You know, remember the, the path that leads to the gate is narrow and it's difficult. So Jesus isn't saying that life is going to be easy or simple. In fact, he said, we're going to have tribulation. We're going to have trouble in this world. And it's not just like personal stuff, but the world is going to hate us. The world is going to accuse us falsely and persecute Christians. And, you know, we countries like China, they live with this every day. We have to essentially get accustomed to what's coming 
not accepting or embracing it, but asking the Lord to really carry us through these seasons that are coming. Well, I think what you're saying is so critical. Even in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, at the, at the start of that chapter, if you remember, the Jewish disciples are saying, look at all these amazing buildings. Right. And the Lord says, I'll tell you the truth, not one stone is going to be left on another. And I think we need to enter that moment because I think we can blow past the scripture there of just how disruptive the God of all creation, who holds the universe together by the word of his power, is saying, it's not going to play out the way that you think it's going to play out. He's building a spiritual temple called the Ecclesia, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. There is a mission, but it's not going to look the way that you think it looks. It's going to be disruptive to your worldview. But when we, when we pull back all the way to where we're talking about the end of the age, it's global. He's not just talking about Jerusalem. He's, he starts talking about, you know, Daniel and some prophecies in Daniel. And it's really the end. And it's at the macro level. It's for all of the nations. It's for the entire globe uh, right before he comes back. And so orienting ourselves to the disruption that this isn't going to play out the way that perhaps we would like it to play out and according to our worldview. And I love what you said about the prayer closet, because this goes back all the way to Deuteronomy and the Lord telling his people, I tested you in the wilderness so that you would learn that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think this is so key for us as disciples is we need to connect to the Lord in our closet in our day-to-day rhythms with him so we can have that fresh impartation of his word for us personally and to have it inform the way that we look at all of these events that are unfolding all around us 24 hours a day seven days a week well thanks again for joining in to the commission podcast and we have so much more to share with you on our next episode so thanks for joining us make sure you subscribe to one of our channels we have many channels that are out there And we will see you soon on the Commission Podcast. If you have enjoyed this podcast from Commission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you, and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.